Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. This is my Forky. And Forky started out as trash to be thrown away. Used, that is, we did for what it was for, and then we threw it away. Well, Forky is a character in Toy Story 4 created by a young girl named Bonnie. She found the trash fork and dressed it up and made a toy out of it, a little figurine toy. And it's just a plastic trashy fork. I mean, there's a lot like it. But she created her own toy out of this fork and then she throws it in the backpack with the other toys. At some point, Forky springs to life because it's a cartoon. Because it's a cartoon. I've got to stop my timer. Here you go. This is a cartoon and Forky meets Woody. Right? Everybody know who Woody is? So Woody introduces Forky to all the rest of the toys that are all animatedly alive. And the thing is that Forky says, Forky says hello, but Forky still accepts himself as trash. Let's do what I'm saying. You're going to get this. He still sees himself as trash, yet that fork was rescued by someone I was being trying to give a new life, a new reason, a new purpose. But in Forky's mind, he was still trash, so whenever they were traveling on a road trip in an RV, he kept throwing himself into the trash. He kept going back to where he came from. He was rescued, and he goes back to his vomit. He goes back to, because he knew that. He was, even though he didn't like it, he was comfortable with it, because that was his purpose, at least in his own head, his own mind, that was his purpose. And, and Woody, being a type of savior, keeps stopping him. He kept going in the trash and digging for work. He says, God, you're here. You're one of us. You're a toy now. Just like we are. Quit throwing yourself in the trash. I remember who I was before Christ. None of you would be my friend. <laughs> you just wouldn't. And that would be my choice. I didn't have friends. I had people I used to get what I wanted. I had people I used to get my way. You wouldn't like me. I was trash. I was like fork, forky. Remembering who I was keeps me humble, keeps me grateful for who I am today. I cannot forget who I was. It's impossible. But I'm so grateful that I'm a man of God today. I'm grateful I can smile. I ain't got all my teeth no more, but I still smile anyway. I don't care. When I get there, I have a brand new set of teeth. Brand new body, no more pain. Come on, somebody. A couple of pounds lighter. Yeah. I was no good to anyone. Forky felt like he was no good to anyone, so he kept going back to what he knew, 
I'm just trash. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I've always been fed. Yeah, they put these decorations on me, but I still am who I am on the inside. You can go to church for the rest of your life and still be messed up on the inside. You can look good for us. You can behave yourself for a little while, for a couple of hours on Sunday morning. You can behave yourself, but when you go back home, you feel like all over again. Your husband finally comes to church with you and you're excited that God's going to do a miracle and you're happy he's there. When you get home, he's the same old nag punk that he was before he came to church. Then the man looked at his wife and said, what? I went to church. It's not about going to church. Church doesn't save you. Jesus saves us. Woody was the fourth savior. He was trying to get to, and even though Forky kept going himself with trash, Jesus, Woody keeps going after that person and says, no, you're not trash anymore. Get it? You got to get this. You're not who you were. You were what you were, but you're a man and a woman of God now. Behave accordingly. The name of the sermon is, you were what you were. And we got to learn that the sooner you learn it, the more free you will feel like never before. You'll be free to make your mistakes and still know that you're a child of God. You'll be free to be encouraging other people. Come on, I did it, you can do it, just like my wife just did right now. But you have to decide within your own spirit that you're going to be changed, that you that God's going to have his way in your life because you were what you were, but you're a man and woman of God now. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you have a picture of Forky? I want him to help me preach today. There he is. That's Forky. And many of you guys see yourself like that. You look in the mirror, that's what you see. Especially on you, right? And 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 in your spirit. Too many Christians still see themselves like that. You're coming to church, you're paying your tithe, you're praying, you're reading, you're getting involved in men's meetings, women's meetings, you're, you're, you're buying coffee from here, you're writing your t-shirt, you're paying your pledge, you're, but inside, you're dealing with that. You're dealing with you. Because you know you better than anybody else knows you. You know the abuse you went through. You know how you were treated bad. You know how you were molested and raped and, and kicked to the curb by your own that's supposed to love you. I know how that feels too. When God rescued me, I was what I was. But he turned me into a man of God. This is something only God can do. Only God can touch your soul like no woman can, like no man can, like no uh, guest speaker can. You have to turn on to Jesus to get what I'm talking about today. There is no other way. You tried religion already. We all came from religious background. Everybody in here went to church. Everybody in here probably had their first communion and baptism and, and rosaries and, and the priest spit on you and, and all that stuff. <laughs> And you were still wicked and foul. You had a form of godliness. But you denied the power of God in your own life. You and I need to come to grips that we still need Jesus. 
You have not been saved long enough. You have not learned enough. You have not preached long enough to say, I don't need God anymore. We're going to always need Jesus. Always. It's not going to go to the point where you know enough, where you've learned enough. After I was saved, uh, one year, you know how I got saved? I got shot point blank in my chest. Right there by my neighborhood, my own neighborhood. And, and some enemies came, put a gun in my chest and shot me. Bleeding for 45 minutes on the sidewalk. The police came and kicked me around. Wanted to get rid of me. Well, I laying there on the floor on my way to hell. God rescued me. I wasn't going to, you ain't going to find this guy in church saying, I want Jesus. That wasn't me. Praise God for the ones that do. It's better that way than the way I did. So Jesus came and spoke to my soul. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't even have Christian friends. I'd never been at Christian church. No, everybody, you know, we share Jesus. Jesus loves you. Come to church. Praise to the prayer. I never had that happen to me. That didn't happen in South Central LA, at least not to me. And so when I hit the floor, I heard a voice, and it says to me, Bobby. And the voice was so comforting, so soothing, so uh, good, so fresh, so, so loving. And Alyssa said, Bobby, don't worry, you're going to live, and you're going to live for me. Then I blacked out. I don't know how long I blacked out, but when I woke up, I was not the same person. My rage, my anger, my jealousy, my evilness, my wanting to murder, my wanting to spill blood, all my plans to die like, and be famous like Charles Manson and, and do all these murderous things, all that was gone. I had that in my mind since I was nine years old. I grew up murderous and hatred and hateful and spiteful and I didn't care about nobody. I cared about my mom, my dad. I didn't care about anybody. All I wanted to do was what I wanted to do and I don't care what it takes. But that moment, as I lie on that street in South Central LA, just like that fork, I was trash. No good for nobody. Nobody wanted me at the house, but they didn't kick me out either because they were too scared to. That's a fact. I walk in anybody's house. I don't even knock or nothing. She's been with me in a couple places. I go in. The whole room changes. The atmosphere changes. They think something's going to happen. My rage, my anger, my frustration, my desire to hurt others was simply gone. When I woke up on the floor and they put me in the hospital, my wife said they, they were operating on me some 20 hours, 18 to 20 hours on the operating gave. I died several times. Um, I remember the doctor looking over me. It was at USC Medical Center. All the students were up on top looking down at me at the operation. And they, the gas knocked me out. Would it knock me out? I'm awake. I felt them when they sliced my chest open and all the blood running down the side of my body. And, and I'm, I'm watching all this. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm angry. I'm just like going through like a trip, man. I was an LSD freak, though. So I was taking three tabs a day. So you know, you know that, know what that is. I was on three tabs a day, man. So I was just like another trip, but only this one felt fresh. It felt clean. I knew it was shot. I knew I was being operated on, but I didn't feel murderous. I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel rage. I didn't feel like like I hated myself anymore. I, I didn't feel like that's trash down there anymore. But I do not know what happened to me. So I was laying there in the hospital bed, and, and, and they, they had to sew me up because I was losing so much of the hospital blood after so many hours. And, 
uh, I was still bleeding on the inside. It was going into my lung. And so they cut a hole in me and put my uh, tube with the blood to go out of my lung into uh, another box. Because they, they keep it, I'll, I'll drown. I'll, I'll drown myself with my own blood. So the only hope for me was to hope <laughs> somehow the blood stopped flowing, but it kept going all my broken parts, all my beat up parts into the thing. And so I put me in that room, and in that room, when I laid there, I still didn't feel like I felt before I heard that voice. I was born again, I just didn't know it. I didn't know what it meant to be born again. All I knew, what I knew, and that's it. And so an old man came. Don't discount old men, old men are important. I know, I'm your, at least I'm yours. <laughs> So I'm laying in the bed and I'm all messed up and this old man came down the hallway. This is a long hallway, probably through that cafe that, but it's the one hallway into our room. There's a whole bunch of us all jacked up people trying to survive, hoping that we'll live. And he came to my bed and he gave me a New Testament. He was a Christian. He gave me that little pocket Bible with, with Psalms and Proverbs in it. And he told me, just read it. And he tried talking to me and I'm not like, so high on morphine. I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah. And I know how to act because I've never been clean before in my soul, my spirit, my mind. I was born again. I didn't know how to act. If I wasn't born again, I would say, F you, get away from me, punk. And blink, 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 blink. But I wasn't that person anymore. I was transformed. <laughs> I was transformed. See, so I don't know how to behave. I didn't gone to church. I wasn't at church. And so I'm laying there and talking to me, but I'm listening. And basically, all I remember is he said, the greatest sermon I ever heard in my life, guys. Listen to me. I've heard a lot of great preachers. This is the greatest sermon I ever heard in my life. Son, just read it, do it, and turn to walk away. Listen to me. He gave me a Bible. He said, read it, do it. And he left. And I had a question, and I, I, I got up as best I could out of the bed. Hey, the guy was gone. There's no way this old fella <laughs> walked all the way out. So today, I, when I get to heaven, I said, was that an angel you said to me? Because that dude was scooting, man. He, he, he wasn't scooting all the way in. but well, That's the greatest sermon I ever heard in my life, the first sermon in my life as a Christian. I didn't know the Christian, but the first sermon I heard was read it and do it. 41 years later, I'm still doing my best to read it and do it. What it says, I try to do. I read a chapter, I started reading because I, I couldn't have no place to go. I started reading through it. I read, just started with the book of John. I read the book of John. I got to the book of Acts. In book of Acts, I got to chapter 9. And that's when it talks about salt conversion, how we had papers or authority or, or reputation to do whatever he wanted, and God knocked him flat on his back, and I'm reading it, and I screamed, that's me! And the whole way, what happened? What's going on? They came, the nurses came in, I was so loud, because I was hit in the face by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and after I just been reading the book of John, and talking about who Jesus is, the Son of God, the Savior, and all that, I'm taking it, I'm not understanding, I don't feel like I'm understanding, but when I read that scripture, that was me. 
I thought I had all the power and authority in the neighborhood, shot calling and all that stuff, doing whatever I wanted to, rebelling against every system I could think of. And here I am flat on my back from a bullet wound, just like Saul was, and he acknowledged the Lord. How might I acknowledge the Lord out loud? But man, that's what happened to me. I got born again on the sidewalk. And Jesus changed my life, and I've been trying to do read it and do it the best I can since then. I was trash. But I'm not trash anymore. I was what I was. But today I'm a man of God. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. That's that's her. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. I get mad when the GPS sends me the wrong way. What do you mean go northwest? Which way northwest? Babe, which way northwest? I can't even see it. <laughs> You're not the only one. I do that too. So I bought me a little compass and I put it in my car, an electrical compass. I went, it says northwest. I just look at the compass, be cool. Okay, I know what that is. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm not who I used to be because of Christ in me. In that sense, it's easy to say, yeah, I'm born again, Jesus came my life. No, this means you're allowing Jesus to work in you and live through you so others can know about him. It's giving up your will to follow his will. It's not always easy for men or women. We still want to do things our way. We want to handle it our way because we think we know better than God, and we don't. Come on, somebody. We need to let Christ live in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, as long as I'm alive, I live by faith in the Son of God, which means my faith in the Son of God means I want to do everything that pleases him, everything that he'll give me a thumbs up for, and he'll back me up in. That's having faith and living in him, who loved me and gave himself for me even while I was trash. You got to need to realize you're not trash anymore. You're somebody, you're not invaluable anymore. You're not used up and to be thrown away anymore. If you have a sense of Jesus, you got to view yourself a different way. You might still remember the hard times. You might still remember the bad times. But that does not define who you are today in Christ. You have to get this in you and live it out. That's where real freedom comes from. I should have died in a puddle of blood in South Central LA, but God said this. He saw me that day and said, I could use this one. They might be trashed to everybody else. He might talk like a fool. He might be rebellious. He might even be murderous. But I can use this one. I can use this one. I can use this one. You gotta see yourself as somebody that God can use. There's, there's, there's no degree or higher education you can have to be used by God. What God wants is an obedient spirit. Read it and read it and man, what a great sermon. Let's all just bow our heads now. Because we don't get that part, we're not going to get anything that we read. We need to learn to be humble ourselves and read it and do it, and don't be afraid to be corrected. Don't be afraid to be corrected. Your wife tells you, just, just pull over and ask for directions. No, I know where I'm at. 
liar. You just yelled at the GPS, and now you're acting like you know everything. You don't know everything. Humble yourself. Pull over. Not that my wife never told me that one time. God saw me and said, this guy, this guy, he, he, God didn't look at me and say, he deserved that. I did. You read what you saw, right? He, he, God didn't look at me like that. He didn't say, you deserve that. Too many Christians feel like when they go to the bad time, oh, God's getting me because I looked at porn. God's doing it to me because I was mean to my wife. God's doing it to me because I lied. Oh, God doesn't do that. God doesn't push like that. God loves and he wants to forgive you of your wrongs. There's no way in the word of God where he says he wants to punish you because you did something wrong. It's not in there. God says, I can still use that one. He might still act like that. He might still feel like he tried, but I can still use that one. And you and I need to get through our skull that God loves us. Right or wrong, God loves you. When I was laying there bleeding to death, I was not in my right mind. I was not a good man, yet God loved me. And God loves you, no matter where you're at. This new life started out, I, I just started giving testimony, and uh, I mean, God blows my mind. I'm preaching in a church in Las Vegas, good grief. <laughs> I get to do that. A couple months ago, I was preaching in Spain. What the heck? I should have died right there. And God said, I can use that one. And he knows the future. He said, one day he's going to talk to some people in Barcelona. I never thought of that. I, I just thought I was going to be in the street talking to my homies about Jesus. Never got, now my mind didn't see myself past that. This thing I know, I'm going here, I'm going there, and people say, hey, we want to hear your testimony, we want to hear your testimony, we want to hear your testimony. I'm like, I couldn't get, what's the big deal? I understand now that God uses the power that he has to do it through people. I get it now. But back then, I was just, okay, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go. I've been at, all over the United States. I've been to China. I've been to Spain. I've been to Philippines. I've been, I go wherever God wants. I go to Mexico. I've been to Taiwan. I've been to France. I've been to England. I've been everywhere. I've been in prisons. I've been in Lompoc. I've been to all the, all the child youth authorities. I've been everywhere that God opened the door. I refuse to say no to God. If God says I'm going to go, then God will provide the way to go. I'm not a rich man. We ain't rich, but we'll go. We'll go. I need to be here somewhere. The guy somehow gets the money to us. We'll say, okay, let's go. Come on. Jesus rescued me because he had a plan, not because I was special, not because I deserve it, because he had a plan to use all the forties in the world. You're not trash. You're not trash. God can use you. God can use you. Young, old, everything in between, God can use you. You gotta have to change your mindset. Have a spirit that's changed to hear from the Spirit of God. Decide that you're gonna cross over and become what God wants you to be. Become what God wants you to be. Before this crossover scripture happened, the children of Israel, whole generations had to die because they refused to believe God. They had the mindset, we're not good enough. We made golden calf. We're, we're messed up. There's giants in the land. There's no way we can take that place. And because of their doubt and their fears and not trusting God, they never got to see the problem. Like even Moses. 
Am I right, Pastor? Help me doctrinally. Even, even Moses didn't see the promised land. You need to live right and trust God no matter what you see here. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two, uh, chapter two, second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen. Ah, I got that out. <laughs> Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Be diligent. If you don't know what diligent means, you need to look it up. Because I'm not going to tell you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Be persistent. Persevere. Give your every effort. Don't give up when the time gets hard. Be diligent. Never give up. Have a never give up attitude. Every worshiper that was up here probably couldn't sing a lick when they were younger. Probably never tried. God didn't jump like here. He probably was clumsy when he was younger. But he gave his life to Jesus. And Jesus began to transform and stir people up, to stir up the singers. And I, Maria's my hero, man. She's a hero to me. I was there praying for her husband back in the day. I was part of that prayer group that helped your pastor get saved. Not that I had to do it, but I was interceding. That's how we help each other out. We back each other up. You never know five years from now what you're, when you're partnering with somebody, you're praying together with somebody, when you have your prayer meetings, with women's prayer meetings, men's prayer meetings, you never know when you're going to look back and say, man, I remember when. I remember when they were. And look what God has done. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. But we can't get those kind of testimonies that we're going to commit ourselves and be diligent to present ourselves to God. Come on, present yourself to God approved. That means you're praying every day and you're reading every day and you're looking to change things every day. Verse 20 in that same chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. But in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of also wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. In other words, there's people in the house of God that are still disobedient, and they're all of great value, whether they're being of gold or wood or clay, they have a purpose in the house of God, even if they're being dishonorable. They're not living right. They're not telling the truth, but they're still coming. You let them keep on coming. Just because your wife ain't acting right, you keep on bringing her. Just grab that ear and just let's go. We're going to church. Don't let your kids run the house. I don't want to go to church today. It's not what you want. It's get, no, let's get your butt in the car. Let's go. Run your house the right way. I don't want to hurt Junior's feelings. Hurt Junior's feelings. In the name of Jesus. Bring that boy to church. Be a man of God and run your house the right way. Be diligent. Keep working at it. Be strong with it. That don't mean you got to hit him and slap him in the head or nothing like that, but just be stern and say, this is what we do. I raised my kids in the house of the Lord. I raised them for God, and they're all serving God today. They're all married people who preach. They preach themselves. They never went to the world. They married the first man they had as a boyfriend. They married him. They didn't try this boy, that boy. They didn't try all the flavors. This one like chocolate, she only waited for that chocolate and had the chocolate. This one wanted strawberry, she went to strawberry, had that strawberry, you know what I'm saying? They didn't go taste testing. Because, because mom and dad know that we're not trash anymore. We're not going to let our daughters be raised like thinking they're trash. 
They're women of God. They're children of God. So we taught them that with our lives and taught them this is what we do. My daughter today, I hear them talking to people. They're like, this is what we do. This is who we are. They grew up hearing those phrases from us. We don't, have, we don't feel like going to church today. What the heck that mean? I don't, that's foreign language to me. Talk to me in Chinese because I don't understand that. Talk about that. No more. We go to church. That's what we do. It's who we are. We serve God. You can do what you want with your family, but I'm telling you, this works. This works. Be the example of you can't expect your wife to follow you to church when you're acting like a fool at home. You can act right in front of us all you want. Yeah, praise the Lord. We look like we look at you like, mm, is he really living right? We won't tell you that, but we do. Because we're praying for you. We want you to make it. We want you to live right. We want your home to be romantic, like mine is. <laughs> Oops, I dropped this. Were you staring? Not you, bro. Her. What is up? In a great house, the house of God, there are many vessels. The subject is honored. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter of being disobedient, uh, uh, being dishonored, disobedient to God, he will be a vessel of honor. He, one day he's not going to be trashed anymore, but one day he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Because you don't got it together now, there's still hope. There, there's never a lost hope. They will change. He will change. You got to keep your eyes on the fire. And don't be one of those idiots. I didn't say idiot. <laughs> I did not say that. I rebuked, I rebuked me in Jesus' name. That act up because they act up. Don't act a fool when they act a fool. You be the standard. You be the righteous one. You pay the price and suck it up and say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give in. I'm going to be a man of God. I was trash, but I'm not quite trash anymore. I was what I was, but I'm a man of God now. I'm going to live according. I'm going to make decisions according. I'm going to rule my house. I'm going to lead my family the right way because I want them to go to heaven and not hell. Let's be, be more obedient to God's word. Amen? Let's just be obedient to God's word. That's what this whole message is. I could have just said that. We could have went to eat already. <laughs> Let's be more obedient to God's word. Let's look at your life. I want to challenge them inside your own heart, your own mind. How is your home life? What do you want changed? What do you wish would happen? Be honest with yourself before God. I wish, I want a lot of a Christian home. What do you want? What is, what, what's needed in your home? Is it forgiveness? Is it grace? Is it more compassion? It is just for oh, he would make a bed one time. Whatever little thing or big thing you could trust God for, you you can. I remember doing a lot of marriage seminars and we still do them. And people talk about he doesn't help me. He goes to work, pays the bills, give me a little allowance, and he thinks that's all there is to be a husband. He doesn't help me in the house. 
I got these four kids. I got to get ready for school every morning, get ready for church every Sunday. And he just gets ready for himself and ready to go, saying, hurry up, let's go. We're going to be late. Well, I'm hitting somebody right now. I feel it. And it gets frustrating, ladies, doesn't it? You don't have to answer out loud, but I, I, know, I get it because I did it to my wife. But I make the bed now. She lashed out one day and said, look, you know, help me, you know, this and that. And she like had claws like I never seen before. <laughs> I said, dang, woman, I know you had those. I said, Lord, you got to help me. I, I want to be, listen, I want to be a better husband. I don't want to be just one that thinks I'll have to pay the bills and I'm not done my job. That's not it. What does that have to, you have to do that anyway. If you live by yourself, you still have to do that. Pay your own rent and buy your own goals. You that's not being a husband. Being a husband is giving your life for her. The way Jesus does for the church, the way I do for her. So she told me one day, you, you want to hurry up and be early and I got to get the kids. I'm okay. What do you want? Help me. Okay, how can I help you? That's not an argument. It's a, con a real conversation. Like, you know, adult. How can I help you? Can you just at least iron the kids? Okay, I got you. Don't worry, baby. I got you. So every day, ever since then, my kids were little. I'm ironing the kids' clothes for Sunday morning. So she doesn't have to do it. Get them ready. Put them all out. All cool and neat and all little barrettes and everything. I got good at it, man. We were going to we go swap and say, oh, look, at this would look good on that side shopping. Look at this one. This for Denise, this for Deborah. Oh, this should look cute in this. And what I do, I gave up myself to please her, to serve her, to let her know that she'd love beyond. All you women are pretty in here, but this is the one. Hey, you're a lot of pretty ladies here, but this one is mine. This was mine. I was up there staring at her. Could you thought I'm playing? No, I stare at her. Come on. I, I, Come on. And it's important that your children get to see this. It's important that other brothers and sisters get to see this because we think that that's all weird, but it's not weird. It's not weird. It's normal to love your wife and show affection for her. I don't know how I got on this subject. I'm sorry. But we need to be obedient to the word. But we can't love your wife. You have no business loving those other brothers. Because when you do that, your wife looking at you like, phony, fake. You know, he'll do anything pastor asks him to do. But for me, he can't even make a bed one time. Okay. I'm a nice man. <laughs> I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help. I, you know, I got a, a problem. I, I got this raspy voice, and when I get passionate, people think I'm angry at them. I'm not angry at you. I'm just passionate about what I believe the Word of God is trying to get us to do, to change. And if you do it, I know the joy you're going to feel, the freedom you're going to feel, your house atmosphere will change, and people, people come to our house, and they say, man, your house feels peaceful. And it's not the... Things on the walls, not the furniture. It's the spirit that her and I develop, and we invite Christ into our home every day. 
like when people say that. Right? They say that. Right? We, you are so peaceful. We love it. We have devil worshippers in her family. We have devil worshippers. That's why I draw a line on me. <laughs> right? I'm just making sure she's verifying that I'm not lying. And they come to the house, they say, I just want to get some peace for a minute. I just want to get away from all my stuff. And they come to where the Spirit of God dwells. The peace of God is real. It's not coming to church. It's got to start inside, and then you live it out. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. You were where you were, but you're a man and a woman of God now. Let's be intentional. I challenge you to be intentional about changing the things you need to change in your life. And don't wait. If he changes, I'll change. Don't do that. You change because God wants you to change, not because he wants you to change. You change because God wants you to change, not because she wants you to change. Yeah, the benefit will be the same for both of you, but just change because God wants you to live holy. Right? Amen. Don't forget, when you die, you'll be all alone. You and your creator. You can't blame the wife. You can't blame the kids. You can't blame your boss. You can't blame the pastor. You did what you did because you chose to do what you did. Now start living like you're not trash anymore because you're not. You're a woman of God. You're a child of God. You're just growing in different areas at different times. Is that fair enough? Yeah. I pray that I helped you guys today. I pray that in Jesus' name you will take the challenge seriously. And seriously look at yourself and your life and your home and who you are. And who you're not. And ask God to help you. Because God looks at you and still says, I can use this one. That's you. I can use this one. 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 You don't compare yourself to anybody else. I don't compare myself to anybody else. There's nobody close to me. I just, that's messed up as I am that I know. <laughs> But God still uses me. And I said, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you that you love me. I'm grateful that he uses me. No matter what age you are, no matter where you live, what your income level is, you can all be used by God. You just got to want to. Say, so here I am, Lord. Just like your old man told me. Read it. What is it? Read it. I challenge you to do that. And don't say, oh, I'm already on the worship team. I'm already the leader. There's more. There's more. There's more God could use you for. There's more people God could read through your life. I don't know why I'm putting that in my pocket, but. I love you guys. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you guys. I love the heck out of you guys. God requiring from you to man up. Don't be insulted. To man up. Your family is hungry to see you be a man of God. More than you realize it. You're feeling this, aren't you? You have the Holy Spirit. Make better decisions. Get help if you have to. Get a hold of pastor. Tell them honestly what you're doing, how you feel when you're doing it, what's going on, the guilt, whatever you want to talk about. But be honest with him. 
that our way God can use them to help you. God don't help dishonesty. Listen to me. God don't help dishonesty. It might make you feel better because you tricked somebody into giving you advice. Does it make sense? Don't trick people into giving you good advice. They'll give me a good advice because they love you. But you're not going to trick him. I know somebody, he's the one that will change the inside of us to make us better. Okay? So your family deserves a man in the home that will lead them to God, and you can do it. And when you start to do it, don't expect them to change right away. Because they're going to watch you and say, let me see if he's just doing what Bobby said or if he's really changing. Okay? But God loves you, man. He really does. He has a plan for your life. But you got to start in your home. Okay? Don't look for it out here. Start in your home. Start within yourself. Get the help you need. Okay? As it starts to change, just accept it. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't have an attitude, wow, let me see how long this is going to last. How many, how many girls know that's real? That, that thought. Don't do that. Because that defeats, that lets the door open for the devil to come and still mess with your mind. If you want your man to change, then believe God he can change. And when it changes, they'll say, oh my God. When I started making the bed, my wife didn't say, oh my God, it's about time you help me. <laughs> she didn't do that because she knew I would, I would have stopped. Oh, you're going to act like that? Fine. Make your own bed. Humiliate your being what it is. Silently thank the Lord for the change. Rejoice that they're changing. And don't make a big deal out of it. Now, after some time, when you see that it's real in his life, you take him out to dinner, put a little candlelight, say, babe, I really appreciate what you've been doing. I appreciate what you've been doing. It could be, a, take a candle to McDonald's, wherever you do it, but just do it. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand, please. Can we all stand? God, I pray, Lord God, that everybody here would take this challenge.